0: to the Innate Flow podcast. My name is Nate Baumgartner, and you are tuned in to a vibration in the time-space continuum, communicating the wisdom and reflections direct from the mouths of authentic truth seekers and spiritual warriors. Drop in with us as we uncover how we can begin healing our collective consciousness in a holistic and intuitive way, awakening the sleeping lions one breath at a time. So sit back, quiet the mind, and open the heart as we integrate the here and now. William Arthur is a jewelry maker. He is a frisbee golf player. He is an all around rad dude who I will be getting to know on this podcast. Thank you for joining. Will.
1: I appreciate your brother. The breathwork we did was, uh, I could feel your direction and you know, um, it was nice to feel a sense of comfort through that just based off of what you were offering and, uh, definitely an impactful uh, Pre breathwork podcast session, so I appreciate that.
0: You're welcome. I I've started doing that. The first time I did it was on the podcast I recorded with Brooks Meadows, mm-hmm. and in doing it in person, I find that coming from a space in this present environment we're in, where there's a lot of stimulation it can be helpful to bring everything into this container in which we're about to record in the time of about three to four minutes. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that reflection. And I would love to jump right in into your hero's journey, starting with your childhood. Where did you grow up?
1: I I appreciate that invitation and it's something I'm definitely interested in, you know, actively exploring myself, especially on a podcast because my situation was definitely uh, unique. You know, we all have our various um, dynamics with our parents and families and things along those lines the places we grow up, uh, how close we are with our families and things along those lines, the schools we went to, the experiences we've had. But I grew up in a small town called Cedarburg, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is uh, one of the more well known cities in Wisconsin. Uh, we have Madison, the capital. Uh, I'm currently based in Milwaukee on the east side, but yeah, I grew up in Cedarburg, Wisconsin, a very small suburban town, very close family, uh, in a single parent household. Because um, basically, my story started before I was born, as it does for all of us, I believe. So I was conceived around um, December of '93, and you know, my mom and dad were together, of course, and. Uh, they found out they're having twins. Mm. So I'm a twin, I have a twin sister. Shout out to my sister, Kayla. So my dad was a police officer and he worked at Wifeish Bay, which was another local town right outside Milwaukee. And he decided he wanted more action. So he moved to the inner city where, you know, there's a lot more people and a lot more things happening. And um, he could be more active in what he does in serving and he wanted to be more of service. So that was his goal there. But while he was training, there was an incident on September 7th where essentially he was with his partner and he was, he was turning a corner in the paddy wagon that they were in and uh, there was two young men. One was 17 and one was 18, completely misled youth, but essentially they had set out to kill a police officer that day and they stole one of their older brother's rifles. And um, yeah, so they staked out, they saw the paddy wagon, they shot into the vehicle and, you know, essentially the shot that was land was almost infinitely impossible. So my father's life was taken on that night, just a couple months before I was born. My mom pregnant with twins. And so that's definitely a, you know, jumping off point of my story and something that's shaped me and my direction in my life and my family dynamic and my upbringing quite a bit. And how close my family is, of course, to uh, many of my cousins and extended family getting together for holidays and, you know, always coming together to celebrate and share love and connect and get to know each other more. But uh, pretty normal upbringing. You know, I was very creative as a young man. I love skateboarding, snowboarding, longboarding. Uh, I got into psychedelic medicines much younger than I should have, but that was my path and how my environment shaped me to be and my peers. What was your
0: first psychedelic experience?
1: Uh, it was with cannabis. So how old were you? I was 13, so yeah, I was, you know, 10 out of 10 would not recommend anyone of this age going through, you know, such developmental years of their lives as their brain is, you know, still forming and going through puberty and emotions, emotional intelligence and all these various uh, parts of who we are as they're coming to fruition. Would not recommend uh engagement with any psychedelic medicines from my personal stance but do
0: you remember that specific experience where were you and what were you doing
1: yeah so you know i had some friends and their older brothers were into cannabis and at first it was like say no to drugs totally bought into the dare program completely anti-drug and um consumption of anything illegal along those lines alcohol was very prevalent in the culture of wisconsin but Essentially, I was with some friends and we were on a bike path. And there were some older guys from high school that were there, and they're like, "Hey, uh, would you like to smoke cannabis?" Uh, they didn't say it like that, of course, but they invited me into this garage. And I was like, "Yeah." I was curious because, uh, like I was saying, my friends' older brothers had been interacting with it, and you know, that was kind of a permission slip for us. Like, "Oh, your older brother's a cool guy, nice guy," and you know, as one does in the warrior archetype as a young person, you're looking to rebel and go against the grain a little bit. Uh, especially with, you know, so many lies circulating around these things. And that wasn't to my awareness at that point. But, you know, it was it was a strange experience. It was like, I felt the pressure of them, you know, peer pressuring me to use the substance. And I wasn't really making decisions consciously, of course, it was just, I was being led and shaped by my environment and uh, my current mindset at the time. And there wasn't much self reflection or anything like that. But I engaged with the cannabis, and I didn't really inhale it, so there wasn't much of an effect. But that kind of opened the door for me to explore it more, and um, you know, jump into purchasing my own and and seeing what was it was all about, um, and having my first experiences following that. So there wasn't really any sort of mind altering effect that I got with that first experience. But yeah, I was really young, and uh, yeah, it
0: is it replicates my experience at 15. I remember I was in this small alternative, I'll put it in a box and say hippie high school. Not far from where you were, but several years earlier in Viroqua, Wisconsin, which is an hour and a half northwest of Madison. And I remember very secretively a, go- a friend of mine and an older kid from the high school was like, hey, let's, let's go for a drive over lunch. And I'm like, all right, I'll go for a drive with you. I like this secretive energy. <laughs> and one of my friends, he hands me a bowl. And I take a big hit from it and cough. And I, like you, experience no effect. And I come back and I remember, like, a couple of my friends had been talking. And like, yeah, we just got Nate High for the first time. <laughs> and, like, I was, I was feeling the pressure of, like, I should feel something. So I started, like, acting goofy. Yeah. And... So that that was like an experience of inauthenticity and also piqued my interest in like, well, if everyone is making such a big deal of this, I want to keep doing it and see where that goes. Mm -hmm. So that led me to continue um, consuming cannabis recreationally through high school and college. And so I want to backtrack a little bit to your father, as I imagine there is a. I'm going to say myth in the broad sense around the stories you heard about your father growing up from your mother, from the people in your life who, you know, your aunt, your uncles, um, what, what stories did you hear about who he was and the, the life that he led?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I'm still learning a lot about him and that's something I am setting out to actively pursue, you know, a better understanding of his energy and who he he was and what he had to offer as an individual. But I know he loved his friends and he loved his family and he loved to have fun. And his sense of humor was definitely, definitely oriented in a similar way to mine. I like to, you know, engage with fart jokes and just like really silly, um, you know, what could be considered, uh, you know, humor to a younger age group, but um, he was a protector. He was someone that liked to show up for his people and bring people together for celebration. Uh, he was athletic. He got, I think, the number one in athletics in his division for his police schooling. So that was cool to hear about because I'm, you know, huge into movement and expanding my understanding of, you know, the human body and how movement supports us and how it's a necessity. But yeah, that's that's the gist of my understanding of his energy and his character and how he showed up and uh, what he brought to the family unit uh, in terms of his, his energy.
0: So as you seek to learn more about him, what does that look like in your exploration?
1: Yeah, you know, I would say it would start with connecting with my mother more okay. because she was the one that was closest to him and my dad's siblings, which recently this year we got to go up on a family vacation to Door County with my dad's side of my family, which for most of my life we've only been seeing once a year um, during Christmas. So that was a great opportunity to really delve into more of what he was like and you know what his family was like and experience him more directly. Um, you know, his brother is absolutely hilarious. His brother, Joe, my uncle, Joe. And, um, so I would say starting to, you know, more intentionally engage with the people that were close with him and expand those relationships and, And that's something I have resistance to personally, because I have these stories where like, oh, we're so different. You know, they grew up in a different time and uh, have different views of the world and all these things, these things that we can create uh, as far as an opportunity to cop out of doing the work to create the connection and to be the one that leads the way for the connection, being someone that has you know, done a little more work on themselves uh, in terms of like intentional personal development and study of philosophy and human connection and things along these lines. So for me, first and foremost, it just starts by taking the steps forward to continue to develop the relationships with people that were close with him and knew him and got to spend a lot of time with him. So that's what it looks like for me.
0: That's beautiful. And I imagine in that uncovering, you will learn more about your intrinsic qualities that you got through him that you mm-hmm. received through him nature nature yeah. wise versus the nurture that you received from your mother and will begin building a deeper relationship with him through that in that you know ancestral connection mm-hmm. um, i'm i'm curious backtracking to high school mm-hmm. You, you've been consuming cannabis. You start at 14, which I imagine is eighth grade. Mm-hmm. You're a creative. You're a creative-minded person. What is your high school experience like exploring drugs while also exploring creativity?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And those were some very formative years for me. And uh, there were a lot of seeds that were planted that were helpful in finding the groove that I am on now. And a lot of seeds that were planted in terms of programming and, you know, the self-belief system and, you know, how I built my self-esteem and the things I was telling myself that have held me back in certain ways and that I've had to unwind as well. So, yeah, creative individual, loved skateboarding. Uh, I definitely enjoyed partying with my friends and, you know, we'd consume alcohol unconsciously and things along these lines. This was my journey and I wouldn't change it for anything because it's forming into the person that I am, even though it could be like objectively, you know, well, you know, for most it'd be like, that's self-destructive behavior. But I had to go through that process to like understand myself and find out who I was. But in high school. I was had incredibly low self-esteem, incredibly low self-confidence being uh, an individual who would get up in front of the classroom. You know, as many do during a presentation, being really nervous, turning red, having a hard time breathing and, and just expressing myself as myself, but uh, I was in with most people. You know, I played football as well and ice hockey and was was pretty big into athletics. I wasn't the best by any means, but I really enjoyed the camaraderie and you know the skills and and the practice of of doing that and that impacted me in a lot of different ways but yeah creative person loved art class and working with my hands and you know i was uh, you know exploring my curiosities with psychedelics and cannabis and i was using cannabis unconsciously through my whole high school career i was a daily uh consumer by age 16 taking bong rips every day And it really stunted my emotional growth, I feel, and and my ability to connect with others and um, really held me back in terms of uh, just building a solid connection with myself because I was numbing out. And, you know, that was also a big thing that I had to unwind. And I still uh, face these patterns resurfacing as well.
0: I imagine if you're consuming... Cannabis and alcohol in high school You're doing it unconsciously I was doing it unconsciously And Even as you find These substances For most people They are finding them In a recreational Unconscious way Mm -hmm. And then find their path Ideally best case scenario They either stop doing them Entirely or find What it looks like to do them in a conscious way when they hit that point of realizing how um, detrimental they can be when we do them unconsciously so yeah thank you for for referencing your experience with that um, with your substances in general i'm curious your self-development journey happening perhaps alongside this as you realize because i i also struggled with self-confidence and i imagine Many and most students, unless they are perhaps, you know, the the son or daughter of a guru or self-help person, which even there, I I imagine there are neurotic tendencies. Mm -hmm. It's a process of finding our self-confidence and figuring out where we stand in the world and our our society, our educational system is unsupportive of that. So you're going through high school, you're engaging with these substances in an unintentional recreational way and learning yourself, learning how you create, learning your ability and potency to use your creative potential. Did you end up going to college right after high school?
1: I did. Uh, Funny enough, before I even decided to go to university, I went to UWM, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, right on the east side of Milwaukee, just a small four-year school out there where I live now. But, you know, I knew before I even went to college that I was not interested in the conventional lifestyle that modern-day society was imposing onto me, um, the 9 to 5. And it just really felt like most people I was surrounded with, my peers, of course, weren't doing things that they actually wanted to do. Like, it was pretty clear to me. But funny enough, I still, uh, you know, bought that ticket and took that ride out the gates because it felt, you know, I had those programs within me, as did my peers. Go to college, uh, you know, get an education uh, and find a job where you could provide for yourself and, you know, all the other things that come with that. Um, but I knew I wanted to do something creative and I was actually very interested in music production, uh, 16, 17, 18. And then I found wire wrapping, which led into my jewelry career. But I did a semester there, did not jive with my roommate at all. It was a super uncomfortable situation being in such a small room with an individual. I had no alignment with whatsoever. You know, I did my best to connect with him, but we were just on two completely different pages. We got along. It just, there was no common ground really, uh, in terms of our way of life and way of seeing things and the things we like to do. You know, I did a semester there, and I was like, "This is this is not in alignment." I realized that, I recognized that within myself. And do you remember that moment
0: when you realized that the educational path you were on was out of alignment?
1: It was pretty much the whole time. I just had already committed to it. You okay. know, like, all right, we—I've enrolled myself. Uh, you know, I'm here at school. I'm doing my first semester, the prerequisites, things along these lines, the mathematics and the English and stuff like that uh took some fun uh you know classes like film and there were some art classes and stuff like that but I knew they had a jewelry program but uh it didn't look that great and I started to hear about other schools that were emerging in the U.S. that were purely dedicated to jewelry technical skills so basically technical technical colleges So I talked to some people about that, uh, at different music festivals and, you know, was exploring my options for that because after the first semester, like I just told my mom in tears, I was like, I I do not want to go back there. Like, and I was scared that she would receive it wrong, but my mom is just so unconditionally loving and was like, of course, like definitely do this. I was like, oh my God, like what, you know? So it was that programming of thinking like, oh, this is what I have to do, blah, 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 versus like actually following my heart and engaging in a path that felt right. Um, Granted, it did provide a lot of fun experiences, you know, with friends and, you know, living in a dormitory with a bunch of people your age and learning how to socialize and get to know people. So that was very valuable, as was high school for that, uh, being someone that was fairly shy and introverted and someone that liked to be in solitude a little too much and so yeah there was so pretty much the whole time it it didn't feel the best. Uh, I was just I was looking for a path within the four-year college system that felt right for me and I was just, with a fucking microscope looking as much as I could. And I was like, there's nothing here. Like this doesn't make sense. And then I explored outside of what UWM had to offer and and found another route that was uh, excellent. So that's the the call to adventure. The call to adventure. Yes, you got it, brother.
0: Beautiful. So you find, what you said wire
1: wrapping. Wire wrapping. That was the first form of jewelry that I made, correct.
0: Okay. What does that look like?
1: So essentially, you know, I was big in the music scene and going to raves and uh, weird electronic dance music parties and being immersed in that culture and, uh, you know, how genuine people were and how expressed people were through that and everyone had their own style and just really colorful and wore cool wire wrap jewelry. So I'd see it around and it sparked, you know, my curiosity. And I had a friend that wire wrapped, uh, and he was getting good at it. And I actually bought a wire wrap from him and he's like, Yeah, dude, you just go to Michael's, which is a local craft store. You know, you buy some wire and you buy some pliers and you can just wrap it around rocks. And I was like, that sounds sick. Always loved 3d art working with my hands recognized that in high school so yeah there was uh you know a dare. I was like all right i'm finally gonna go do this and the first one i made i showed it to my buddy that was the one that was wire wrapping and he was incredibly impressed with what i did for my first one so that was a sign for me like oh i'm good at this and I, it seems like i'm excelling at this like right off the bat so that was my introduction to Jewelry arts and it as a possibility for supporting myself in the future and doing something that I love to support myself So
0: are you still consuming cannabis in an unintentional way through this and also? What does your use of other psychedelics because cannabis a good buddy of both of ours? Who's here at the lake house presently Ryan Sprague calls cannabis the people psychedelic mm-hmm. because of how accessible it is truly what is your? relationship with other psychedelics like LSD psilocybin mushrooms and any others through this experience
1: yeah it was I mean it was all incredibly unconscious use I know I wasn't tuned in tapped into information or mentors or guides that could lead me in a direction of being able to utilize them as tools so I was exploring it in a party setting music festivals music scene Lots of MDMA. um, There was alcohol involved. That's not a psychedelic. Mushrooms, LSD. Had some experiences with mushrooms, but um, definitely was unconscious. But I was amazed at what my mind could do on the psychedelics. I was just. What were you noticing? This, the. uh, Trying to think of what I was noticing at that time. Um, I was definitely feeling intense states of bliss and open heartedness and just love and uh, just being incredibly impressed by like there was a point when I took a gram of mushrooms and I was laying under a blanket in my room with my friend and I could cover my eyes and I would forget where I was and I was just dying. I'm like, how is this possible? So I was like, like a, like a taste of ego death Mm -hmm. in a way, which was just incredibly fascinating. Like, what is this? Like, what is happening here? So then I would get on, I started to actually get on forums like Arrowhead and inform myself of other people's experience experiences because nobody was talking about it within my, you know, uh, individual sphere, personal sphere of people that I was around. And, um, but overall, uh, the the experiences were beneficial but at the same time, I feel like they did more harm to my body and my brain than benefit at the time with how I was using them, how frequently I was using them and how unintentionally I was using them uh, and also not knowing exactly what I was getting. So, like, this is a massive issue in my eyes, because if I could have just been educated properly instead of just saying no to these things and completely ruling them out when... Um, You know, this is just incredibly prevalent in our society, people using mind altering substances and they're going to show up in, you know, a young person's life at some point or another. And the just say no message wasn't helpful for me whatsoever, because, yeah, I wasn't making conscious decisions and I kind of just fell into it. Um, So I would add that they're
0: prevalent in every single society to a degree Mm -hmm. and the ones that have this connection with the the other realms of reality outside of this physical time space one these communities that we see in the amazon these ancestral indigenous cultures they they have a level of respect for these medicines that in the judeo christian western civilization world i would say they have been bred out of our culture as this deep esoteric knowledge has been um, winnowed away and either neglected unintentionally or neglected intentionally because it enables us to take on our own learning about how everything works outside of this realm so wanted to give that caveat so you begin to educate yourself and do what we call harm reduction Mm -hmm. so learning about how to use these and how to reduce the harm they have to your body through that knowledge yeah deep breath deep breath (laughs) i'm i'm curious what negative impacts were you noticing that was the the impetus that was that catalyzed that were you noticing yourself with depression after these like the crash after mm-hmm. the medicine that you were like I don't want to feel like this ever again yep. what what was that learning like that experiential learning
1: yeah so you know going out and partying all night and consuming not large amounts of mdma this was definitely the most impactful aspect of realizing how harmful these medicines can be, uh, used irresponsibly. Um, you know, MDMA being an amphetamine and it having a particular neurological tax on the body and and the brain. Um, so yeah, just, extreme ups and downs, you know, uh, incredibly volatile, emotional states, completely emotionally dysregulated after, you know, partying all night, uh, consuming MDMA and recognizing that. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say that specifically catalyzed my journey into understanding them in a way where I could use them to help myself. I would say it helped a little bit, but it wasn't like a key aspect of what perpetuated that. But, um, yeah, there was a lot of darkness that I experienced with, you know, using them in a way that wasn't with reverence or any sort of actual knowledge around them and how they could impact my physiology and um, just how to use them safely. As you said, harm reduction is so important. If I could have been provided that basis at a young age, I could have actually made an informed decision. But I didn't have any of that and it's actually really frustrating because like I said, I just didn't feel like I was really even making my own choices at that point. I was just being guided by the programming that was already instilled with me and by the people I was around. You know, we all here we're the average of the five people we spend the most time with and it's totally true. Like we're immersed in each other's energy field and how we act and how we are, the things we say, things we believe. So like I felt like I was just um, you know this was my journey. And unfortunately it definitely took a few chips out of me, but, uh, it also, yeah, provided awareness. And I, I, I had to learn the hard way in, you know, a few different ways with all that. But, uh, yeah, it's been quite the journey with the psychedelics and, uh, the plant medicines and yeah, now that's what they are. They are, Medicines and are something I treat with respect and, and 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 am just incredibly intrigued by in terms of what they can do for society and what they can do for me, what they can do to help us believe in ourselves more and uh, grow our love and our connection to Earth and you know all these different things that I believe are going to help us the most right now. Mm.
0: Yes. So you find wire wrapping and mm-hmm. you find joy in this practice, I imagine as you begin to get better at it and you start to see yourself improve i imagine and get this level of people having interest in your work describe to me that experience
1: that was wonderful that was so invigorating to you know make something from the heart make something that was a reflection of me something i truly loved and enjoyed doing than getting to connect with people over it and um, allowed me to find confidence and and more self-love. Not that I completely outsourced my self-love to an extrinsic variable like that, but um, it helped me find strength, uh, you know, and realizing that it, it opened up so many doors in terms of my development and realizing what I'm capable of. If I just dedicate myself and get the reps in, if I'm married to the reps as uh, the Enlifted community likes to refer to. And as I've heard Mark say many times and many of you guys, so that's something that's always constantly running through my head at this point. I didn't have the language for it then, but you know, I was spending like 10 to 16 hours a day some days just messing with the materials and collaborating with them and working with them. And um, it did feel like the piece itself had an energy in its own. And like it was a collaboration that it slowly revealed new ideas and what the next move is to me. But the process of developing the skills definitely provide, provided me a great foundation for showing me what life can be all about and what I can be all about, which was really cool. And that I could really do whatever I wanted as long as I committed to it and uh, really just put the work in and believed in myself and, yeah, it was a lot of fun just going to shows and music festivals and selling my wire wraps and receiving appreciation and love over it. And, uh, seeing how, you know, someone laying eyes on my work, how that would impact them and all the different connections it led to. It was, uh, yeah, that's definitely a very formative experience for me. What did your relationships
0: look like as you begin building mastery in something that you love? You are continuing to explore psychedelics and to go to these festivals. I imagine knowing these communities, there is community around the festival going and the, the craft of jewelry making. What did your romantic and friendship relationships look like as you begin finding this craft of yours?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, my relationships weren't very great and I didn't recognize that until my body... And my heart let me know that I've gone too far with neglecting the practice of relationship because I was purely focused on building my craft to the point of self-destruction. So way too much solitude, neglecting all other aspects of my life and really just completely imbalanced in the way I was living. Uh, and engaging with the art form. Granted, another one of those things were like, this was my path, and I had to go through that to recognize this. But so honestly, my relationship started to flourish because I experienced a contrast of what it's like to have no relationships of depth because I let myself get to that point, and I realized I had to change. Otherwise, I would be in complete turmoil and depressed and anxious and, and just— cowering, uh, to fear, not having the skill of even like having, you know, a basic conversation with someone and just learning how to connect with someone and be myself. Cause I wasn't connecting with other people. Granted I was, but I was relying like in the music festivals, you know, the shows, but I was relying on substances to open myself up and to feel well and to feel comfortable within myself, uh, in those situations. So, um, you know, that definitely allowed me to realize how important relationships are and community is, and that I needed to find a better balance with my work and my art and my creativity and the medicines relying, not, you know, understanding that I cannot rely on them as a sole source of creating connection within my life. I can help them prop up my connection and, uh, allow them to teach me how to elaborate more on my connection. But if I was completely relying on them to feel comfortable and to ignore my insecurities with what it takes to connect and what it takes to be vulnerable, then that was going to just be another thing that held me back. So that there was a lot of light that was shed in a lot of different areas of myself through the plant medicines, through engaging with the music scene, and through engaging with the jewelry solely because I became so imbalanced with it all. So it did provide a lot of insight and uh, growth with my relationships actually.
0: A mutual mentor of ours, Paul Check, talks about the pain teacher that can present in our, our mind, our body, our spirit, and it can present in the form of a feather, a light nudge in the mm-hmm. direction of the way we're going, a brick, which is a little bit harder, a little <laughs> bit more definitive, and then a Mack truck, <laughs> which can slap us upside of the face and say, wake the fuck up what was your come to buddha moment that things were out of alignment
1: yeah just i wasn't i was completely dysregulated i was emotionally unstable i had no control over my anger i had no understanding of how to express myself in a healthy way um so it was def i just came to these points of such darkness that i was suicidal like My neurotransmitters were so deficient after partying that I would just be stuck in darkness and not to mention, you know, the experiences I had with cocaine and binging on that. And that was definitely the worst experience of all in terms of interacting with substances and the places it brought me within my mind and, um, you know, like truly interacting with the devil within me. Um,
0: Was there one point that you remember?
1: Oh, there's many, but (laughs) I mean, one specifically, uh, with the cocaine and the partying and just, you know, immersing myself in that sort of culture and that sort of scene and community people that really enjoyed binge drinking and going to bars and doing cocaine till six in the morning. I mean, inhaling that stuff in your nose all night, like really fucks up your nasal passage and uh, there was essentially a night where I got alcohol poisoning. Um, you know, I was fine. I, I didn't really get much sleep. I wasn't fine. I mean, I was fine in terms of I was conscious and awake and fine. But the next day, it was just like, I got up, instantly felt the field of vomit, went to vomit as I was vomiting. Nose just started like, or uh, blood just started gushing out my nose like a fucking river. And I was just disgusted. I was completely disgusted with my behavior and what I had done to myself again, because I had been in situations like that before. And it was just, I was just in so much pain, strong, stern smack from the pain teacher. And I had many other instances like that. So I needed to receive the lesson like quite a few times to realize that I can't keep doing this and I need to change the people I'm hanging out with. And I need to treat my body right so I can regulate and actually feel well just on my own and not rely completely on these, you know, peak experiences, uh, you know, quotations on that to like, you know, give me, provide a, a feeling of feeling well and comfortable and like I was, you know, happy. It was all just an illusion of that, really. So that was definitely a uh, big wake-up call just, you know, biting the dust many times, interacting with substances and partying way too hard and just trashing my body. And I was in that cycle for quite some time. And yeah, it was it was a tough time for me.
0: So you hear that message and there is a point where you act on it. When do you start acting on it?
1: Yeah, I would say it was a slow titration, a slow process of, you know, shifting the way I operated on a daily basis. You know, I got into Paul checks work cause I'd wire wrap and I'd work on jewelry. And all I would do was inform myself and educate myself through podcasts. You know, first it was Joe Rogan. Uh, then I came across Aubrey Marcus, Aubrey Marcus led me to Paul check. And, um, you know, what he was preaching upon just made complete sense. And it was super practical and basic. I'm like, all right, eat 90% whole foods, I can do more of that or implement more whole foods at least. Uh, You know, sleep hygiene, the importance of that, the importance of breath, drinking, uh, you know, clean water, um, thinking in a way that is conducive to a healthy relationship with yourself, things along these lines. And... Basically, I just began to self-reflect and slowly implement different health practices. Got really big into movement. I joined a CrossFit gym, and that was like my first introduction to a super vigorous, steady movement practice. And it was cool because there was community there, and there was camaraderie, and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I saw my body starting to change, and I started to get the body I wanted, and I started to feel better now that I was focusing on these, you know, basic wellness uh, variables and just giving my biology what it needed and continuing to expand my horizons and learning to have fun in healthy ways, you know, going snowboarding or traveling or, um, you know, various sorts of activities that actually were fulfilling and didn't involve like partying my partying until, you know, until a point of self-destruction. So, uh, that, that's how the shift looked for me. And, you know, it's a never ending journey of learning how to optimize and learning how I operate best and feel best in the world. What does that take? You know, the meditation and, you know, the things that provide happiness to me, you know, one of the things for me is just focusing on connection. So there's been, yeah, many parts of my life where it's pointed back to like, you need to establish relationships that, um, you know, allow you to you need to establish relationships that allow you to feel love within yourself and to commit to that and dedicate to that and continue to practice that. So the, the just connection as a whole was definitely a huge variable for making that shift as well with others.
0: May I provide a subtle language shift?
1: Sure. Yeah, I'd love that.
0: I get to build the relationships that enable me to feel love Mm -hmm. for myself Mm -hmm. that reinforce my capacity to hold the love that I have for myself that then I get to share with people and they reflect it back to me mm-hmm. rather than this being a demand that I put on myself yeah. it's an opportunity mm-hmm. there's the hermetic principle as above so below mm-hmm. the principle of correspondence and I find that this manifested in me at this breaking point where I was mm-hmm. finishing up my master's degree in germany i was in germany working for the united nations doing this very intense internship went through this breakup much like you was consuming a lot of media was consuming a lot of podcasts like aubrey marcus joe rogan ben greenfield these guys and started focusing on my physical body And that tends to be the first place that we start because it is so easy to see the change. Mm -hmm. The change is so the direct stimulus that we get from, oh, I do 20 push-ups a day, I start to see my pecs. Mm -hmm. I do sit-ups, I start to see my abs. And then that leads slowly to the personal psycho-spiritual development. What was that learning like as we can get a certain amount of knowledge from podcasts and it comes with true integration mm-hmm. true investment in ourself that we start to find these mentors in our life that we are like oh that's that's a life that i want to aspire to that i want to aspire to leading mm-hmm. so bring that back to your journey. You're going to these festivals, you're making this jewelry, you're getting better at making this jewelry, and also finding that when you do CrossFit consistently, you start to see these changes in your body that lead to changes in your mind, Mm -hmm. and you see your relationships start to change and shift as you shift your lifestyle, eating better and spending time around people who have those similar values Mm -hmm. so so talk me through you are still going to shows i imagine you're still producing jewelry and you're now getting into physical development personal development you're caring more about the content the words that you're consuming your diet your media diet what does that lead to
1: i would say you know Momentum is a huge theme with all of that. Um, And I do agree with you uh, sharing about, you know, focusing on the ground level practices first, focusing on the body, tuning up the body, optimizing the biology in different ways. And and it's very interesting what doors start to open up after that. It's this really cool bridge and invitation into, um, you know, Exploring the fringes a little bit more as you develop and cultivate, you know, more energy to explore them. Um, and then I just feel very fortunate to have, you know, really just fallen into these mentors from afar, uh, Thank God to Joe Rogan. He's actually my least favorite podcaster at this point, but I love his work still because of the information he shares and the ideas he presents to you know the majority population. And uh, that was something that really fostered my exploration of you know what I could be and how I could feel and how that would impact my relationships and my art and the things I wanted to pursue and how I could impact others because of that so yeah focusing on the body and focusing on um you know exploring philosophic philosophical principles that would allow more freedom in my own mind that showed up as i was listening more to aubrey marcus and to paul uh but yeah first and foremost just focusing on you know the fundamental wellness principles of eating the right foods and um, you know, focusing on a daily movement practice and giving myself what I need so that I do have the energy to expand the capacities of my mind. And uh, yeah, it's 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 really amazing how when you simply focus on uh, the ground level stuff, the doors that can open for you and how much more alive you can feel in your own life.
0: What did that shift look like in your jewelry production?
1: Yeah. Um, so as I was realizing that being alone as much as I was, was detrimental to my uh, mental health and my emotional health and my ability to connect with others. It was like a muscle that was atrophying essentially because I was just in solitude too much and use it or lose it as they say. But um, so I, I wanted community and you know, I was calling that in, um, you know, and I had community that were, you know, other jewelry artists that were in different States and around the country that I had connected with. So I actually went on a a road trip or two to collaborate and, and make pieces with others. And, um, so can you repeat the question one more time? I'm sorry.
0: Let's just follow that. So you're on this trip Mm -hmm. making jewelry with others, what mm-hmm. is the creative process on this journey?
1: The creative process, uh, basically, yeah, it presents a new set of challenges, but a new set of possibilities as well. When you bring two brains together to work on one thing, as as you know, collaborating, you know, we are now. And where
0: uh, are you traveling to?
1: Uh, my first stop was Colorado, and. I had, you know, gained a following on social media and built up my brand and skills to a point where I could start reaching out to other artists that I admired and that were doing really great work to work together. And, and that was a really great way for me to call in that community and to um, step out of my comfort zone in so many different ways. Someone that was pretty reserved and, you know, pretty shy and working on his self-confidence, really just throwing myself out there. Uh, hitting someone up on Instagram, be like, hey, do you want to work on something together? I'm going to plan a trip out to this area and meet a whole group of new people. And uh, that presented so many opportunities to expand my horizons and have fun and see new places and connect with new individuals and and expand my self-belief and self-trust and confidence.
0: Where did you go in Colorado?
1: I was in the Denver area.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And what were you doing?
1: Uh, so basically we just I met up with one of my friends, Nate Freedmine Fabrications. Um, he was another jewelry artist that I, you know, had been observing via Instagram over the years. Someone that inspired me to get into it. And, yeah, I really liked his work, so I reached out to him just to inquire about working together on something and putting something together really badass and pushing both our boundaries and bringing our skills together to make some beautiful art. And so, yeah, showed up out there, and basically we're just in the lab getting down and, uh, you know, putting in some elbow grease, like, really long hours every day to put a piece together and, you know, stay in that creative zone and in that flow zone and um, – Yeah, it was a it was a very eye opening process for me to and uh, yeah, lots of, you know, old versions of self dissolving away through it all, which was really cool. And um, being able to learn new skill sets through him and kind of like observe how each other work, uh, observe how each other work and uh, basically just collaborate and have fun together and bring together a badass piece of artwork for the people.
0: So you're experiencing these
1: old versions of yourself dissolve mm-hmm. as
0: you co-create. Mm-hmm. What does play look like in this experience of being out in Colorado, working with this person that you admire, learning from them while also seeing what can be done in community? Like day to day, I imagine there's an aspect of disconnecting from the work so that you can allow inspiration to come through you? What does that look like? Are you living nomadically at this point?
1: You know, I, I went on a two week road trip. So I packed my car up all my tools and the plan was to uh, go to Colorado, stay out there for a bit. And then I actually went out to California to do a five day course uh, with a jewelry professional named Kent Ribley, who specializes in this specific technique called granulation and He's been doing it for, you know, 30 plus years. So I studied with him and uh, so I was living nomadically for a couple of weeks, but I haven't, you know, set out on a grand, long, more extended adventure to to do that yet. As far as where play comes in to the process that's something that's been a practice I've been working on for a long time to remember that it's my choice to be in a state of play and not to be so rigid with you know how I'm working and to continue to be open to engaging with people around me and having conversation and and just having fun with interacting with each other while it's going down so the collaboration and the traveling and uh, all of that was definitely a really fun thing for me to do as like my first solo adventure as a young man, you know, embarking on that, going across the country, meeting new people. Well, it wasn't my first because new approach, the school I had learned at, that was the first time I had done that where I was on my own and I had relocated myself and I had to establish new relationships and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, always looking for new avenues of ways to have fun with my process and. Um, but like at the same time, it's like, sometimes it can be hard with something that requires so much focus and presence to engage with others as I'm working. So that's where I'm at with that.
0: Are you still exploring psychedelics at this point?
1: Oh yeah. I, you know, my most recent, uh, heavier dose psychedelic experience was with a really great group of guys, uh, out at a men's retreat in Vermont that I was at in, in July and um, You know, I was I wasn't totally sure what type of dose. I wanted to take because it was you know We weren't all taking the same dose It was up to you as an individual to decide what, what what was what kind of journey you were looking for and what kind of outcome? You were looking to get out of it and um, you know, everybody did their own thing I decided to engage with three grams, which was a dose that I had trepidation around and you know just showing up in those containers uh, for me there's already like many mental obstacles to move through because all I really want to do is relax into myself and express myself and have fun and, and feel like I'm doing it in a fluid way. And that can be hard because the ego wants to present itself a certain way or be perceived a certain way. So like having awareness around that can already be a challenge and taking the mushrooms was very scary for me. Cause it's like, how am I going to be like, you know, I've taken mushrooms with guys like that before. And like, burst out crying and had cathartic emotional releases where, you know, that wasn't exactly what I was expecting. And, you know, there's part of you that's like, Oh, is like, what do they think of this? But you know, knowing that these are open-hearted, open-minded, understanding individuals, and they know that the psychedelic experience can produce that sort of effect on someone if uh, that's what uh, is needed within, you know, the person that is experiencing it. But yeah, that experience with the three grams and all those guys in beautiful Vermont, just incredible day. Uh, You know, we did a seven directional prayer. We did a really nice light movement practice as we were coming up uh, on the T and this uh, sounds
0: like a, a Ryan Sprague. Ice and iron style.
1: Yeah, uh, it was the ice and iron. Right. Uh, yeah, Ryan was there. You know, he took a smaller dose, I believe. You know, the facilitators wanted to make sure, sure. everyone was good. So they remained somewhat baseline uh, through the experience. But, yep, yeah, Ryan was there, the ice and iron boys. I felt incredibly supported and just incredibly connected with everyone. And, you know, the come up's always a pretty jarring experience for me, and there was a lot of emotions through it. Um, I just remained open and in a place of non-judgment, in a place of observation as that was happening, you know, thinking about my mom and realizing that I wanted to establish a deeper connection with her and realizing that I've said this to myself many times and haven't taken action to the level of it actually happening, you know, realizing that and that being really painful And, and at a certain point feeling nothing at all and being concerned about that as well. And at a certain point feeling really irritable. This was all during the come up as I was just laying there, letting the medicine, uh, take effect and then eventually relaxing into it and relaxing into myself and, um, just being myself around the guys and connecting and sharing laughs and sharing stories and, and really feeling confident and in my power and, Realizing that I can feel this way all the time as long as I continue to practice and you know treat myself right, and as long as that I give myself the permission to do so and continue to expand myself by putting myself in circles like that and continuing to believe in myself and uh, you know develop my confidence through my various art forms and doing things like this and yes, that was one of the most impactful mushroom experiences I've had in uh, this year.
0: Cool. What has that done for your jewelry making? If you have any reflection Mm -hmm. on how you go inward and reflect and then connect outward and build a sense of masculine community, Mm -hmm. have you noticed any shifts in your artistic expression and creativity as you build a thriving jewelry making business?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it's a continual awareness process for me you know, redirecting the way I approach my business and the way I make my art. And in a lot of ways this year and last year, I've been really dishonorable towards myself in terms of, um, you know, balancing my relationship with jewelry and my business and doing it in a way where my inner artist is really thriving. And I feel like I'm just having fun, you know, 90% of the time, just because, building a business. It's hard work and I have to be able to support myself or I get to be able to support myself rather. And, um, finding the balance of doing things I truly love and and realizing that sometimes those are the things that aren't going to make the money I need. So right now, uh, and how, you know, this, these psychedelic experiences has impacted my direction with it. Um, it's allowed me to you know, tap more into and pay, t- and it's given me the message to tune more into how I feel and use that as a compass for how I can organize my business and my relationship with my art in a way that allows me to, you know, have fun and be in a state of play and, um, you know, basically have a great day every day with the art and as I'm immersed in it and uh, exploring it and building with my team. So it's just helped me solidify a more it's helped me solidify a path forward that serves me more and helps me feel more invigorated in what I do granted there's yeah there's still a lot of uh stepping back and reassessing to be done just because it's yeah it's a very complex thing there's so many moving parts and puzzle pieces and Um, You know, you're a business owner. You know how it goes with, um, you know, cultivating something and and the grind that can go into it. And so it's, yeah, it's it's been a process of just stepping back and learning how to redirect it in the way I want.
0: I was having this conversation on my podcast with Taylor Morgan yesterday where he was talking about how he has always been a person that did the bare minimum just to get by. And he had this reflection from a person within his business who was working for him when he laid out his vision of conquering the world. He, he heard back from his this person that was working for him saying, like, Yeah, I, I don't really see it. Like, I, I see you saying these things and I don't feel it from you. And having that reflection was like, oh, shit, I'm falling back into my pattern of. You know, just doing the bare minimum to get by. And from the outside, it looks like I'm running this thriving business and I'm doing the bare minimum. And how can I enlist the people on my team that they best understand that vision and feel it Mm -hmm. so that they are empowered within our business's vision and mission? And what I am imagining is you are on the other side of that. Where you're in the grind, you're in the hustle, you're pushing yourself, you're desiring this success and you're receiving it to a certain degree and also feeling the, like, oh, fuck, this is exhausting. And where can I take a step back and just breathe and be and relax into the, the opportunity for divine inspiration to flow through me? That is my next step. Mm -hmm. And it's a constant process of being in that masculine doing. And then coming back to the feminine being that is, I will say, is a constant process Mm -hmm. that we find between that doing being feminine, masculine polarity, Mm -hmm. that perfection looks like the process, Mm -hmm. whatever the process looks like for you and the awareness That we have is to recognize when we're out of balance in that process and winnow our way towards what balance, what harmony looks like in whatever feminine masculine balance is what our business needs, what we need, what our team needs Mm -hmm. so that we're best moving in the direction holistically Mm -hmm. to support ourselves first and then our business, our team and our community Mm -hmm. what feels like the call for you in finding that harmony
1: yeah i mean truly it's just being happy and um if i'm going to be pouring myself fully and going all in on a craft and you know my gifts and what i offer to the world I feel that uh, it's critical that I'm doing it in a way that's going to be energizing and not depleting. So, yeah, it's actually been a massive, a pretty big, well, it's been a struggle for me to find the groove recently and to like solidify a solid meaning and purpose in what I do. And I feel part of it is because that. Uh, you know, there's these stories circulating in our society and, and that I've recognized. And then this isn't my truth with my work, but, you know, jewelry is a luxury item and it's, it's it can be a materialistic thing, but, uh, you know, I've been able to shift that recently, you know, reflecting on what is it that I do offer people through my work? What impact am I providing through my work? What message am I really relaying? as I've continually reflected on that and explored the words to define what that is, uh, it's created some clarity for me because yeah, first it's like what, you know, I'm feeling like I'm not creating the impact I'd like through what I do. Uh, so as I've been, you know, exploring that more and, and kind of reframing it, it's been, you know, the things I make and the people I get to work with and, uh, you know, when you think of a piece of jewelry or a piece of art that will provide an emotional felt sense experience to the wearer or the observer. And then if you add more layers on top of that, if I can deliver a message of, you know, love yourself more or work on your health in some sort of way and include that into the symbology of the piece, it becomes like a functional beacon for a person to, you know, more effectively embody those principles. So that's what I'm working towards in terms of the next steps for my businesses. How do I solely make jewelry that is out of utmost in, intention and, and bring in these concepts that have helped me become better and helped me feel better and find more love into my life. And how do I relay that through my, through my art? And I am doing that. It's just, I know there's more levels to it. And yeah, I've been just, be bouncing back in between becoming disempowered and empowered. And like I said, just all these variables of like, how much time do I want to be spending at work? Like how can I continue to expand and delegate the things that I'm not necessarily gung ho about and, um and move it in a direction where I feel like I'm serving in my full capacity through the art. It,
0: it sounds like you're going through the process of growth that mm-hmm. can be uncomfortable as you meet your edge. And I've seen, a couple of the pieces that you made yesterday evening, in fact, worn by Mark England. One of them is an AK-47 pendant, and another one is an Abracadabra pendant. Mm-hmm. And whenever I see those, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> those, those pieces of jewelry carry a certain energy that is difficult to describe when worn by him. Mm-hmm. Because they have that specific meaning that I carry, that intrinsic meaning Mm -hmm. that when I see Mark England wearing his AK-47 pendant and his abracadabra pendant, I'm like, this dude who does not fuck around (laughs) is certainly not fucking around (laughs) right now.
1: Yeah, it's really cool because it's a reflection of his character and his heart and his values, you know, encompassed in a piece of art, which is a continual reminder, and also a talking point, which is cool, because that's an invitation for him to share his work, you know, someone that is unfamiliar with the enlifted work, or his interest in AK-47s, and why he loves to, you know, be in the mix with that, uh, if he's engaging with someone, and they recognize the pendant, it's like, what does abracadabra mean? Well, you know, he's the man to talk to about that, and the the pendant, can be a great invitation to explore that and open that up. And uh, yeah, I want it to be, you know, the work that I do, I want the pieces to be a tool that can provide functional benefit to the wear and continue to help us grow in the direction that the direction of, you know, being better people and being better to the earth and working on ourselves and creating more love in this world and less separation and, Just uh, continuing on the path forward instead of the other way. So, yeah, there's all these variables that come into play and um, just all my studies into holistic wellness and philosophy and uh, understanding oneself and meditation and, and movement, all these different things is... I, I'm, I'm feeling super called to bringing them in more in an intentional way into my artwork. So, cause that's, that's just the next step really. Otherwise it's, it feels out of alignment. And like I said, I am doing that. There's just many more layers to it and I have to create the space to make that happen because there's a lot of, um, you know, busy work that can happen with, you know, maintaining the business and Yeah. That it's a beautiful message
0: and a beautiful mission. So you currently own William Arthur Jewelry, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where you have a physical shop, and you are producing tailor-made jewelry. Is that accurate?
1: Oh uh, yeah, uh, bespoke pieces, one-of-a-kind, handcrafted jewelry, uh, made with you know high-quality materials and with a lot of intention and a lot of love and a lot of thoughts, a lot of heart. And yeah, we have a shop. It's a private studio, but anyone in the area is welcome to visit. I, we love having visitors there and uh, to continue to expand community and show people what we do and just to connect over it and, um, let people know that, you know, we're, we we have our arms open here and anyone that's reaching out to me, I'm always willing to give time and to connect with. And if they're interested in a path, uh, similar to what I'm doing, I'm always willing to be open about you know, the things that have helped me and provide information to help them take the next steps towards that. So yeah, we got the shop in Milwaukee. I work with a group of really amazing people. We all get along really well and just have a ton of fun every day. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a really cool journey of, you know, understanding myself through the art as a mirror. And uh, I look forward to, you know, continuing to implement uh, conceptual depth to my work and continuing to understand on how I can uh, implement further the concepts and ideas and relay the messages and stories and ideas through the work that I do.
0: So if a person had a vision for a bespoke piece that had that deep, intrinsic meaning for them, how would they go about working with you and what would that process look
1: like? That's a great question. And I've told myself I'm going to do this, but I wanted to create a, I do want to create and will create a uh, sort of form that provides questions to help me clarify like what symbolism and, you know, the person's beliefs and, uh, you know, what they're looking to call into their life, specifically with the engagement rings, because that is such an incredible opportunity for me to provide something that is going to be a reminder and a, uh, like directing mechanism for the couple and a reminder, directing mechanism for the couple of what they're creating between each other and the values they want to embody the vision that they're shooting for. And all these different things that happen when you come together in union with another person, So as far as the process currently, it's just reaching out to me and um, depending on how interested the person is is in going to the depths in terms of like capturing all that in a piece, I'll hop on a Zoom call with them or it can just be over email. You know, some people just want something really traditional and don't want to explore that type of work. So essentially it's just reaching out to me to inquire via Instagram or email. Instagram's the best place, uh, at William Martha jewelry. And yeah, that's what the process looks like.
0: I'm going to speak this out into reality right now. When I find my life partner in accordance with the laws of perfect soul union, you will be the one who designs my engagement ring. And I am excited at that co-creative process. William, it has been a joy to have you on my show to listen to your life journey, your creative process, your exploration of psychedelics and life and development. Do you have any final message for the audience?
1: For sure. Uh, Love yourself like your life depends on it. Um, Self-belief is the root of confidence. And when you have confidence, you will succumb to fear less. And when you have less fear, you do more rad shit. So believe in yourself because you got this and we all have gifts to share. So uh, always be open to possibilities for what that could be and follow your heart in that process.
0: Mic drop. Love you, brother. Thank you so much.
1: Love you too, bro. Thank you so much. Peace.